Blog Talk Radio. Well, good morning. This is Sunday morning in the Word, where we study the Word of God systematically. We study to show ourselves approved unto God, a work that means not to be ashamed, but one who rightly divides the Word of Truth. If it can be rightly divided, it can be wrongly divided. So we're going to go methodically through the Word of God and study um, the Bible. Uh, by giving line upon line and precept upon precept through the Holy Spirit. Amen. So let's pray and involve the Holy Spirit in this discussion. We're on a great series, and this is part three. And um, I think we're going to have one more part in this this first division, and um, we're going to move forward into this teaching. So it's going to be it's going to be quite lengthy. I think it's going to be a ten parter, I believe, based on the format. But we are. We are trekking along. And, of course, on Sunday mornings in the Word, it's a little more in-depth, a little more advanced than the Thursday teaching. But we've modified the Thursday program to be a little more concise as far as the teaching and very truncated so you can at least have a core of, uh, of foundational scriptures that help you and foundational principles that help you establish your Christian law. But on Sundays, we get a little more in-depth in the scripture, and this is for those who are who are um, not novices in the scripture who want to learn a little deeper insights, and I give them a little more commentary than the other ones. Um, so that way we can be um, very beneficial to the process, okay? Well, let's go into the Word of God, and we're going to begin in Hebrews chapter 10 today, and then we're going to flow, we're going to flow accordingly. But let people know that we're on the air, we're live today studying the word. Let's pray. Father, we praise you and thank you for this day, knowing that this is the day that you have made you rejoice in the glad. We thank you for another opportunity to worship you in spirit and in truth. It is the authority of your word that gives me confidence to make boldly known the mysteries of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I do lean and depend on the Holy Spirit, educator and guide to give me clear articulation of speech and deliberation of thought. Holy Spirit, I say have your way. Do what only you can do. Anoint the people's ears to hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. And Father, Everything that shall be accomplished and revealed, you be glorified. For it is in the name of the Lord Jesus that we do praise you and give you glory. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Now, before I get into the series, I want to encourage you to get a notebook. If you don't have a notebook uh, for this particular broadcast, get one specifically for this broadcast. And I guarantee you that if you follow us for three months and you go systematically through the studies that we have on our broadcast, you will learn more in three months, and you would have an entire year in your local church because we study the Word of God a little more disciplined than a local church. So um, join us in the systematic teaching of the Word of God, and um, be blessed. Well, we've been talking about overcomers theology, and this is part three. Um, we're the division uh, number one of overcoming sin. We said that uh, our goal is to affirm the pursuit of knowing God more intimately so we can serve him more faithfully, to awaken core values that establishes our convictions of the advantages we have as a result of establishing ourselves in God's word as final authority. So, And then we answer this by systematically studying the word of God, the value of having theology when the need to overcome arises in advancing in life. And our, God, our, our goal has to be to study this word overcome. We look at the word overcome and overcoming. And in the, in the word of God, the word overcome is found eight 
times in the Old Testament, 22 times in the New Testament, 11 times mentioned in the book of Revelation alone, which makes it the most in the New Testament. Uh, and then First John um, also has the second most uh, usage of the word overcoming, which we get our resolution overcoming in the world through faith. And so uh, we said that there are, three, there are three divisions in this teaching, overcoming sin, overcoming the world, and overcoming by faith. And we're going to indulge in that and show, use that as our framework as to go. But overcoming theology is a discipline of evolving a reflection on faith and beliefs in light of our Christian advantage. I want you to understand that this is a Christian advantage and its importance on establishing our convictions, our commitment, and our character around the discovered reflections that we have. Talked about how the Word of God will awaken. And will, first of all, theology is not a, a demonic word. It's just a, a coined term used to, uh, uh, to identify the process that we go through as Christians of how we get to know God in God's logic. That's what the word theology is studying, and theo means God in the Greek. So it's the study of God. We are studying God ultimately, and that helps us answer, alter, awaken, and add and advance us to know him more uh, perfectly so we can serve him more faithfully. And that demands that we now look at theology as um, going to Bible school or not look at theology as being theoretical or not look at theology um, as being something that's not needed because we are Christian. It, it, it requires us saying this is the process by which we find God. And in this, we are highlighting how we do it in, the, in light of the advantage that we have because of being a Christian. All right? And that, and that means that there are certain things that emphasize. Any time you take a theology class, they're going, to, they're going to break down the various things that bring attention to us to find out ultimately the nature of God. And that's why earlier in the year we begin Division One of the nature of God. We're going to go back to Division Two eventually. But I wanted to have this framework saying, hey, if you don't have faith, and then here's, here's the emphasis and the rhetorical rhetoric that comes through this teaching. You have to have faith in the finished work. Finished word, what am I talking about? The revelations that come as a result of us overcoming of the world, overcoming sin, and overcoming faith is a result of revelations of our redemption, our righteousness, and our reconciliation that only is achieved through and by the Lord Jesus Christ. So we, we get to God. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to God but by him. That is the overcoming theology in a nutshell. In him we move, live, and have our being. To live is Christ. You know, now, when we come from that vantage point, when we come from that perspective, it changes how we, we study and come in contact with God. We have a confidence because of what we know Christ achieved and not what we achieved. We don't try to merit ourselves based on our behavior, but we reflect on the behavior in which he continued his work and and his as that as our confidence to access God and to find that grace and help in the time of need because we need help. But you'll never have confidence in that help until you acknowledge that that God has done this for you. See, this theology starts with the premise that we have a, a, a abandoned the world 
and we have an above and beyond advantage because of our initial standing with God and beliefs that seek to advance and this internal awareness. I, I love Hebrews 8 that says, I will write the laws on their hearts and in their minds. They will be unto me a people, and I will be their God. It's an internal awareness that we have. The spirit in us cries, Abba, Father, not just someone. We are intimately acquainted with God. We serve him because he's perfect, and we serve him. And we, as a result of looking into his perfection and his perfect work, right, as a result of looking into that, we then, glory to God, we then can serve him more faithfully. And that causes us to overcome the world. And you got to know that you overcome. Now I'm giving a little shout out to my uh, one of my pastors, who's one of my buddies, uh, Dr. Joseph Mills, did a teaching years ago called um, "Over <laughs> um, Developing Faith That Overcomes," and and I, I think that teaching was almost two or three years. This won't be two or three years, but we're we're coming close, and the more and more. I, I, I've studied the Word of God. I baffle at some of the things that I revisit in the study. Now, we've been talking about overcoming sin, and I gave three foundational passages. Um, one Second Peter chapter 2 is our foundational passage for the division of sin, and then First John 5, 5 is our foundational passage for overcoming the world, Romans 3, 4, overcoming by faith, and First John 5, 4, 4 is also overcoming the world. We said that overcoming is a spiritual conquest to recover and reform all original natures to God's plans and God's intent. We said that overcoming was embodied in Christ, which also translates our spiritual state of life to Christ. And then we also said that overcoming must be a preconceived revelation birthed out of our access with time with God. So the more and more we spend time with God, the more and more we see God. Now we, we embarked into this 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 powerful thing, this powerful teaching of overcoming sin. And this is something that the church world has really well really we need to really revisit this core conviction that if any man be in Christ he's a new creature. Old things are passed away, behold all things become new. Now, how do they become new? Because everything in Christ is life. Nothing is, there is no darkness in him at all. And he may manifest those things which are dark, and he provides light or a way of escape so that we can exceed and excel. You know, grace excels us into the provision and the power and the promises of God. But we know that sin distorts. God's reality, because anything that's unrighteous, all unrighteousness is sin, according to 1 John 5, 17. So sin separates us from the presence, power, plan, provisions, and promises of God. Sin is a work of the devil, 1 John 3, 8, or 1 John 6, 6 and 10. I gave five foundational scriptures that talk about the theology of sin, which means while we distinguish God what one we know that God is is disdain disdain the practices of sin because the way of sin is death. And the alternative is the gift of God is eternal life and peace. So we we know that the when we when we say theology reveals, one of the things it reveals is what God is not. 
what God hates. And one of the things when I'm teaching children, I have them always say, I love what he loves. I hate what he hates. And I live like he lives. And you've heard that in some teachings, especially in the great words teachings that we just completed a few weeks ago. I love what he loves. I hate what he hates, and I live what he like to live. Why? Because all unrighteousness is sin. So we begin this process by revealing the theology behind uh, the concept of sin. And we said theology revealed that sin is the reason why redemption was created. And then we, we stopped at theology revealing that Christ carries the cure-all for that sin. And then today we're going to pick up on Theology reveals that believers will sin while they have flesh, but it will not be imputed because of Christ. And that's where imputation comes from, and and um, that's very important for us to understand because if you have flesh, then there's still uh, a reality that is waiting to be consummated or fulfilled in you because there's no, there's no good thing in the flesh. Amen. But we can overcome in the flesh by the Spirit of God. And that's why we 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 um we teach overcoming theology because we have an advantage. It's the Holy Spirit and it's because God is, but we don't even know what to do. The Spirit of God arrests us and confirms and convicts us unto righteousness so that we can be we can eternally aware of the access that we have as a result of accepting the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what uh, the world does not want you to know. They don't want you to know that you can have power, glory to God, over the circumstances that, that life brings because greater is he that's within you than he that's within the world. And often you have to remind yourself when you're in Christ, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Greater is he that's within me than he that's within the world. I am more than a conqueror in, in Christ Jesus. As there are so many uh, scriptures, and one day I may just give it to you in this lesson, maybe when we talk about faith, of, of who we are in Christ, and there's things that faith unlocks. And, and I think it's good that uh, in the lessons to come as we teach this, you're going to be really strengthened in your faith um, in light of overcoming theology. Now, in discovering why we overcome, uh, we know sin as the starting point of this reality because sin is the greatest, overcoming sin is a, a clear signal to the believer that if they can defeat the power of sin, they can defeat the power of Satan because Satan is the source of sin. Sin is the work of the devil. He's the father of lies, that's what the scripture says. And, of course, it awakens us to spiritual forces and spiritual wickedness in high places and those things we need to know that there is a devil. Um, you can, there, there's a lot of churches out here, uh, because people have abused the concepts and eradicated the concepts altogether, but it doesn't change the reality. There is a devil, <laughs> you know, and we need to know that we have power over the devil. But... This reality gives us starting points. Five things. Write them down real quick. Number one, sin separates us from God. Sin separates us from God. Why is this a starting point? Because it initially brings us to the awareness that this is what makes us off from God. Sin. 
sin is a reproach to any people. Number two, sin is subjective, subjective to choices we make in life. Amen. I don't think there will be any other teaching where I've talked so much about sin. Because sometimes we, we can romanticize. Let me say this. Two, and when you give your testimony, because a lot of times we give a testimony, we're talking about what God has done. We can we can romance. I'll never forget one time I was in the youth class, the youth pastor was teaching about a particular section of sin that he had overcome. But the way he was he was so descriptive and so uh uh embellished about that concept of sin, I, I know personally I had to pray because it became a uh, a uh, very um appealing um alternative, you know, because it didn't seem like it was something overtly that would just dishonor and distort my relationship with God, but ultimately God had to really bring that back into foresight because of the way he depicted his sin that he was being set free from. I ever heard somebody talk about uh, something that they've been through before they got saved and this thing so adventurous that you almost wanted to experience it yourself. You got to be careful how you tell your testimonies and what God sets you free from. Some things are not even worth speaking of, and that's the scripture. You know, some things you just got to say, I thank God I overcome, because you don't want to introduce that iniquity, which is a passed down sin, and create iniquities in the lives of, of the innocent. And that's exactly what happened, because he was the youth, so we respected his opinion. A lot of people had to pray because of some of the things, the way the people overcame and they dealt with and what they went through, it was so good that, you know, you almost as a young person want to experience it yourself so you can have a story almost and your life can have some form of adventure. And unfortunately, because we have not advanced the whole oh, hallelujah, I'm saying stuff, and I know I know um, the, 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 the spiritually minded photo will we'll, we'll highlight this wisdom because if you can understand what I'm saying here, we have done a good job of sin so much, especially in telling people what not to do because of sin, glory to God, that it almost becomes an appeal to do it because curiosity kills the cat, <laughs> you know, but it creates curiosity. So uh, we really have to rediscover because all unrighteousness is sin. That's a, that's a greater concept of sin than just uh, uh, because righteousness demands that there's a pathway, a path set that you're going in that is sanctioned by God that's right. That's, that's what makes it bring righteousness. And what advances righteousness? So sin separates us from God. Sin, sin is subjective to choices that we make, and sin sensationalizes a perverted reality. And that's what I'm talking about. And ministers of the gospel that you don't sensationalize a perverted reality based on your testimony. I'll make sure that you pass the test. All right? And the next one, sin seeks secular approval and affirmation. And this is, this is that conforming, no longer conform to the ways of the world. You know, for example, fraternities and sororities, college students. It's a very, I mean, when you first enter into college, you're there to get your degree. But you're, but you're giving other avenues and alternatives to seek approval 
from affirmations that exist contrary and outside of God's will. And no one has yet proven to me that they have been assured and and sanctioned from God to join these organizations by the prompting of the Holy Spirit. It's just a choice that they made. So uh, I'll be talking about Greek life, God and the Greek life in the summer, because I want to I want to provoke a storm because now we got pastors um, and churches that are perverted um, that are uh, that are embracing these concepts. And you got to understand that the church is compromises on on what God's standards are. In what hope that that the world has to be saved? And I'll talk about that in overcoming the world a little more in depth. But see, if sin seeks approval and affirmation outside of God, and then sin succeeds by default, default and defamation and damnation. Sin succeeds by default, defamation and damnation. Right. So. Those things are the starting points. If you can overcome the things that separate you from God, the things that are subject, subjected to choices and, and sensational, sensational perverted realities and seeking secular approval and affirmations and um, uh, um, success um, that's set, that, um, that are established by default, defamation, and damnation, that will awaken you to the power of God. When you overcome it, you, you see what I'm saying? And that's why it's the starting point. You know, why why we talk about sin when we talk about overcoming? Because we know that this this lets us choke up. Why? Because theology reveals that sin is the reason why redemption was created. And it reveals that Christ carried the cure all. And when we say that, let's go to Hebrews chapter. Let's go to a little bit of word. Go to the 10th chapter. Let's read some verses. Now see, for the law, and of course the contrast in the old, in, in the book of Hebrews is the legal document uh, to the church, uh, proving Christ's superiority, proving uh, uh, not only Christ's but the Christian conduct superiority over the world system. But it also proves the inaccuracy, the inaccuracy of the religious system that was set to control the world outside of Christ. So they couldn't they couldn't compete it. It says, For the law having the shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offer year by year continually make the the, the comers thereunto perfect, which means mature. For then they will have ceased to be offered. You will have to keep doing it over and over again. Because the worshipers once purged should have no more conscience of sin. Now, that's given a very powerful principle. There's a form of worship and an offering of sacrifices which Christ carries in him, in him, in him. Glory to God. That when you connect to Christ, that eradicates the consciousness of sin. And I submit to you that's found in the revelation of his righteousness, which which the world don't know. If they knew, they would never crucify the Lord of glory. Now, 
the cure all for the sins comes through the compliance on the cross and him conquering death through his resurrection. And the cure all covers all forms of sin because he was made to be sin for us. Now let's go quickly to Second Corinthians chapter five. Now let's look at verse twenty seven. Let's look at verse 7. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We are confident, and I say, willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Okay? Now, let's go on. And, of course, let's talk about the spiritual thing um, that, that Paul is um, talking about. That, hey, we are, and this, is, this goes good with sin, and it goes good into point, and I'm going to come back to that. So let's, but let's go to my point here for the time's sake. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now, now it goes back to 20. It says, now then we are ambassadors of Christ, as though Christ did beseech you by us. We, we pray you in Christ's stead, in Christ's place, he be reconciled to God. Remember I told you that, that the three revelations that come out is our redemption, our righteousness, and our reconciliation. This is going to be repeated out of the scriptures that we well, we talk about, especially in light of overcoming. But in, in, in this point, too, of the, what sin reveals, this scripture is very powerful because it, it lets us know that Christ is the cure-all because he covers all forms of sin because he was made to be sin. Do you know what that means? Let's read that scripture again. For he has made him, being Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. The man Jesus became sin. Now, he knew no sin, but he became sin. Do you understand what that means? He became that which, which separates uh, humanity from God. He became that which was subjected to wrong choices. He became the sensationalized perverted reality. He became the secular approval and affirmations outside of God. And he became that default, that uh, uh, defilement, and that damnation so that you can have access to approach God. That's what he, what I mean by cure-all, so that you could be what he's not. See, the man Jesus died so that you could be what he's not, which was what, which what he was. He knew no sin. He had no consciousness of sin because his heart was set on obeying the Father. Amen. We'll come back to that. Now, theology reveals that the believers will sin while they have flesh, but it will not be imputed because of Christ. Doesn't that answer that question? Now, let's go back to 5 verse 1. We know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle, this talking about our body, will dissolve or die, we have a building of God and a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly designed to be clothed upon our house, which is from heaven. If so being that we are clothed, shall not be found naked. For we 
that are in this um, body do grow to be burdened, to, to be burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but be clothed upon, that mortality would be swallowed up in life. This is why, you know, I always say Christian, Christianity sounds a little gothic, <laughs> because it seems like the, 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 what happens is we call this death, and the basis of sin is death. What, well, how do we talk about this? Christ? Because he became sin. That's why we can look at death and say, we're just sin. We know if we die, we're going to be with the Lord. We don't really die. We don't really die. Why? Because our life is swallowed up in Christ, in that life. Right? So now then, now he that hath wrought us from this self-same thing is God, who also hath given us the earnestness of the Spirit. That word earnestness is a powerful word. I want you to circle that, as well as the word imputed. Now, believers' natures override the imputation of the consequences of sin. This is what I'm talking about. To impute means to the representation of wrong being verified as the cause and given value for judgment. The wages of sin is death. What's the verdict of judgment? Or what's the or what's the judgment of of the verdict of sin? Death, right? Now go to Romans chapter four, verse eight. Amen. I guess we'll finish this, and then we'll get into obedience and uh, next week. But I want you to understand these very very powerful things. We got ten minutes, so we got to roll. Let's go to four. Amen. Hallelujah. I sense comprehensions being enlightened in the heavenlies. You know, because we need to know what Christ did. See, if you don't believe see, if you don't believe he can set you free from your sin, then you have a hard time walking in his power. Because he he can't fix you. And you have to understand when you do find something that's not fixed, and you get it fixed through the lens of repentance, glory to God. Hallelujah. When you when you get it right. You're going to have a, you, there's going to be a, I love that, that, that this, this statement that apostle people used to say, an end with stability that awakens in you when you know that he can fix it. See, you got to believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. You got to know that he is going to correct you. If he can't change you, you're not going to have confidence calling for others to conform to the change. Amen. But greater is he that's within you, that's working and doing things within you to eradicate the consciousness of sin so that you can overcome by faith. Glory to God. And that's what we stand on. We stand on not on, we, we stand on the reality that Christ can fix us. Christ can fix us from the consciousness. He can just like our consciousness in Romans chapter one can be seared. Because we're set on being separated from God, our consciousness can be cleansed from all unrighteousness through Christ Jesus because we have access because he became so that we can be made the righteousness of God in him. 
And if you don't know that, you're going to have a challenge exemplifying Christianity. You're going to have a challenge in knowing God intimately because you can't connect. Because he's an all-holy God that cannot look on sin. He can't even see you. So you've got to have faith in the finished word. A working knowledge, a working revelation, a working awareness that you actually live upon daily because faith has to be walked out. We walk by faith and not by sight. Faith has to be lived out. The just live by faith. Those who have been justified are those who have been given the right to operate in right standing, although they are guilty. This is what, what, how we know. Christ became sin. Why? To imputing, imputing our reality for his reality. By saying, hey, we're not guilty, but the representation of law has been verified as the cause given value of judgment in Christ. He became the sin for them. All the sin that you see that people are acting out that, that are going to cover in the blood or covered in the innocent. Because when we say blood, we're not just talking about some, some red blood that falls out. And, you know, we're not talking about that. We're talking about the awareness of what Christ did. We have faith in the finished work. And, you know, I would subtitle the whole, the whole study of faith in the finished work. <laughs> You got to know that he's doing stuff for you. What is he doing? The first thing you should confront with is your sin life. Because, see, sin, sin keeps your conscious aware that you ain't right. You can't get right. But God's grace translates that. Power, our connection with God, changes that glory to God. And says, no, they are accepted and among the beloved. Glory to God. Bless his name. Now, I said Romans 4, right? Verse 5. Uh, let's go to, okay, it goes back into justification, Abraham's righteousness apart from works. What shall we say then that Abraham, our father, pertaining to the flesh, hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he had um, wherefore to glory, but not before God. But now being made free from sin, Ooh, I don't skip. Ooh, I'm sorry. For what the scripture says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted. The word counted is also imputed unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is reward, uh, worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of death. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that is justified, the ungodly the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. So the reason why we, we know this right, keep, let's keep reading. Even as David also um, described the blessings, blessedness of the man unto whom God imputed, gave righteousness. Because you know David was messed up, he's sleeping with everybody. Without words, saying blessed are the works of whose iniquities are forgiven, whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Now, you know, God did that for Abraham. God did that for David. God also does that for us because we are the offspring of that. And, and this is what this is, and it goes on into that. But I wanted to point out where impute 
um, when imputation takes place or when you're imputed, it means there's a representation of the wrong being verified as the cause given value for judgment. So what God is doing in this particular passage is saying, I'm going to be their, 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 their uh, cause. When people see me for what, they, what they've done, will be a direct reflection on what he's done. Because nobody was willing to do the, take the sacrifice that Jesus took on the cross. You know what I'm saying? Because they weren't willing to die for innocence, not like he was. So the believer is covered from sin because, the cross, because of the cross. So sin, when it occurs, reminds God of Christ's shed blood versus separation from his nature. When a believer, what, what, what makes us different? When we sin, God sees the blood. So he's often, he's perpetually, because God is not, because God's nature will, will directly react in judgment. All right? But when, when we as believers sin, he sees his son because his son was imputed or became the imputation or became the substitute, or became what verified the sin as judgment to become. This is, this is what it is. It's Jesus. Jesus got there so that they could be made the righteousness of God in Christ. So, yeah, people sin that are saved, they do sin. But when God sees it, <clears throat> it's covered in the blood. Jesus, Jesus finished his work so much so that God gave him a name above every name. So when God sees Jesus covering a situation, he says, Jesus, you got it? It's good. Now, that doesn't give us an excuse to just keep on sinning because anybody who has this hope, they, they, they purify themselves. They don't want to be known as just, just being using the blood as a, as a means to, uh, you know, to keep on sinning. They don't have that contract. Because the first thing that happens when they uh, when they get free from this, the first thing is they have a desire in God, a, a desire from God. It is he that causes us both to will and do. They have a desire to God to not continue to live in that in that reality. The believer's new nature is an effect um, is at in in effect in the flesh. Yet when the flesh is dissolved. Death's sting is swallowed up in victory. Now, you got to go to First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51 through 57, and we talked about Second Corinthians chapter 5 as well that talks about that, that process as well. Amen. Now, we're going to talk about what advances us from, um, from the nature of sin in the next lesson, and we're going to conclude the division of sin with that. But we, we've covered a lot of ground today which said, amen, Jesus is the cure-all. And even though he is the cure-all, why do Christians still sin? Oh, because they still have flesh. And in the flesh, there's no good thing. Yet when they sin, their consequences are different. Because when God is, a, is made aware that they're sin, Christ became sin. He knew no sin that they may be made the righteousness of God. So when we, in the flesh, sin, either aware or unaware, God sees the blood on what Christ did as the cure-all 
And that's why we can confidently say we don't sin as Christians because Christ became sin. He became everything that sin needed to be. Amen? Well, I wish I could tell you more, but I'm out of time. I thank you for your We've been studying the word of God, and we thank God for what Jesus has done. I tell you, one of the things that this teaching will help you do is appreciate the Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the word that your son Jesus did at Calvary. And we have faith in that word. So walk it out in our lives, the awareness of that in our lives, so that we can achieve exploits and and elevation in this quality of life that you ordained for us. Father, I thank you that, Lord, we will be like your son that won't just settle for shell or having uh, being predestined for overcoming, but we will have a testimony this day and day in the days ahead that we have overcome. We thank you, Lord, that we we are seeing your work and dissecting the integrity of your work. So to see you in your perfect light, that we might develop faithfulness about around the experiences of what we see. Help us. Help us see it. We thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. I trust that whatever you set your hands to do, you will do, because when you see that you're going to use it, he that's within the world. Perhaps you've heard what I've said, and you don't have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Repeat after me. I confess with my mouth. I believe in my heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised Jesus from the dead. I thank God for the work that he did for me and Calvary. Now, Father, I pray that you to seal them to the day of redemption and that they would come into the knowledge of the truth to connect them to a spirit-led church that will teach them the right word and God. Continue to be blessed in all that you've set your hand to do in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the broadcast. Have a wonderful worship, Lord's Day. Amen. And, and of course, commit yourself to the uh, fellowship of the saints. Amen. Amen again. God bless you. And have a wonderful day.